Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of rubeola, or the measles, from the microbiology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 12-year-old boy is brought to the emergency room for cough, high fever, and rash. He also reports having itchy eyes for the past day. The rash started on his head and neck and traveled downward towards his trunk. His vaccination history is unknown. On physical exam, he has a confluent maculopapular rash that is blanching with pressure. There are blue-white macules overlying a background of erythema on the buccal mucosa. He is immediately isolated and admitted to the hospital for supportive care and vitamin A supplementation. This is a case of rubeola or measles. Let's now get into the topic. Let's start with an introduction about this topic. In terms of classification, measles or rubeola virus is a paramyxovirus. It is an enveloped, helical capsid, linear, single-stranded, negative-sense RNA virus. It is highly contagious via respiratory secretions. It causes measles. With respect to the epidemiology and incidence, there is a decreased incidence in the United States due to vaccination. It is endemic in parts of Europe, Africa, and Asia. With respect to the demographics, it is more common in children. Risk factors include lack of vaccination and travel to endemic areas. In terms of the pathogenesis, all paramyxoviruses contain the F-fusion protein. It can induce cell-to-cell fusion, creating multinucleated giant cells. It helps mediate virus and cell membrane fusion, ultimately resulting in infection of the host cell. Hemagglutinin, or HA protein, helps the virus attach to the host cell. The virus replicates in epithelial cells in the respiratory tract and lymph nodes. With respect to prevention, measles, mumps, and rubella, or MMR vaccine, is given over two doses. With respect to the prognosis, the prodrome is followed by a rash. Let's now discuss the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of measles. Symptoms include a prodrome of high-grade fever, cough, conjunctivitis, and coryza. It also presents with a rash. With respect to physical exam findings, you would notice coplic spots, confluent maculopapular rash, and lymphadenopathy. The coplic spots would present on the buccal mucosa with bluish-white macules with background of bright red. This is pathognomonic for measles. The confluent maculopapular rash starts in the head and neck and spreads downward to the trunk. It is initially blanching with pressure in the first few days. Note that it excludes the palms and soles. Next, let's discuss diagnostic studies used to diagnose measles. Lab studies would involve detection of measles-specific immunoglobulin M or G. You can also detect the virus on reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction. A biopsy of the lymph node would show warthin finkelday giant cells or fused lymphocytes with paracortical hyperplasia. With respect to making the diagnosis, it is based on clinical presentation and confirmed with laboratory studies. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the main differential to consider here would be parvovirus B19 infection. The distinguishing factors are a slapped cheek rash, and a maculopapular rash on the trunk and limbs that does not spread from the head and neck downward. Next, let's discuss the treatment of measles. 
with respect to the management approach, the mainstay of treatment is supportive care and prevention with vaccines. Conservative treatment involves supportive care and is indicated in all patients. Modalities include antipyretics, analgesics, and hydration. Medical treatment involves the use of vitamin A, and this is indicated to reduce mortality and morbidity in all patients. And finally, let's discuss the complications of measles. Complications include subacute sclerosing panencephalitis in adulthood, encephalitis, and giant cell pneumonia. The subacute sclerosing panencephalitis in adulthood is a neurodegenerative disease characterized by seizures. Giant cell pneumonia would present in immunosuppressed patients. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 7-year-old boy is brought to his pediatrician by his parents because of a new rash. The family immigrated from Lowe's one year ago and recently obtained health insurance. A week ago, the boy stated that he was, quote, not feeling well and asked to stay home from school. At the time, he started having cough, nasal congestion, and irritated eyes, symptoms that persisted and intensified. His parents recalled that at the time, they noticed small, whitish-blue papules over the red buccal mucosa opposite his molars. Five days ago, his parents noticed a red rash around his face that quickly spread downward to cover most of his arms, trunk, and then legs. His temperature is 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 39.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 110 over 85 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 102 per minute. And respirations are 25 per minute. On physical exam, he has intermittent cough, cervical lymphadenopathy, and non-purulent conjunctivitis accompanied by a confluent dark red rash over his body. This patient is at risk for which of the following complications later in life? 1. CNS degeneration 2. Valvular heart disease 3. Non-reactive pupils 4. Monoarticular arthritis or 5. B-cell neoplasm And the correct answer choice is answer choice 1, CNS degeneration. This patient's presentation, fever, and physical exam are most consistent with measles. Subacute sclerosing panencephalitis is a rare complication of measles that causes progressive degeneration of the central nervous system. Remember, patients who have had measles are at risk for subacute sclerosing panencephalitis. This late complication typically occurs 7 to 10 years after the measles infection and is characterized by progressive degeneration of the central nervous system. It is fatal and is the key reason why the measles, mumps, rubella, or the MMR vaccine is recommended. While nearly all children in the United States receive the MMR vaccine, children from developing countries may not be vaccinated and should be evaluated for measles. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 2, rheumatic heart disease, or RHD, and heart failure are late complications of acute rheumatic fever caused by infection with streptococcus. RHD most commonly involves the mitral valve, with mitral regurgitation for patients less than 30 years and mitral stenosis for older patients. Patients may also have aortic valve and or tricuspid valve involvement. 
Answer choice three, Argyle Robertson pupils are a late complication of untreated syphilis infection. These are small pupils that accommodate or constrict when looking at near objects, but that do not react to light. Answer choice four, monoarticular arthritis is a late complication of untreated Lyme disease. The most common location is the knee where patients experience swelling and warmth. And finally, answer choice five, Certain types of Hodgkin lymphoma are thought to be associated with EBV infection, especially in immunocompromised patients. The exact mechanism is not known, however there appears to be a higher rate of Hodgkin lymphoma among patients who have previously had mononucleosis. In summary, measles presents with a characteristic prodrome of cough, coryza, and conjunctivitis followed first by an enanthem of coplic spots and then by an exanthem of a descending maculopapular rash. One late complication of measles is subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, a fatal degenerative disorder of the central nervous system. Next question. A two-year-old child is brought to the pediatrician's office by his mother who reports that he has had a fever at home of 103.9 degrees Fahrenheit and recently developed a rash that started on his face and now involves his chest. The rash is erythematous and maculopapular. Further history reveals the boy had a cough that started a few days earlier. The child is ill-appearing and lethargic. Which of the following pathogens is most likely responsible for this child's illness? 1. Pox virus 2. Togavirus 3. Paramyxovirus 4. Hepadenovirus or 5. Rubivirus And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, paramyxovirus. The child in the question stem is suffering from measles or rubiola caused by a paramyxovirus. Remember, children infected with measles usually experience an incubation period of approximately 10 to 12 days prior to displaying the characteristic prodromal sequence of low-grade fever and malaise followed by cough, coryza, and conjunctivitis, the quote three C's. Affected children display a classic erythematous maculopapular rash that begins on the face and spreads downward and includes the palms and soles. In the setting of such symptoms, the identification of small, irregular red spots with central white or gray specks on the buccal mucosa, known as coplic spots, is diagnostic for measles. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1 is incorrect because molluscum contagiosum is a common pox virus afflicting children. Answer choice 2 is incorrect because rubella or German measles is caused by a togavirus. Answer choice 4 is incorrect because hepadenoviruses are responsible for viral hepatitis. And finally, answer choice 5 is incorrect because rubella is a rubivirus. And that's all for this review about rubiola or measles. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullet Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. 
Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.